Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 221 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And thank God for the World Juniors because it's been 300 days since the Ottawa Senators last played a game. Only 10 more until they do, but before that, oh man, what a semifinal back-to-back last night. Team Canada, an absolute clinic over the Russians and then the U.S. getting a late goal to propel them to an all-North American final at the tournament. We'll get Pilsy's take on that. We also have friend of the show, yes, a recurring guest now, Wayne Scanlon. Been covering the Sens since day one, and now he's a writer with Sportsnet. We have a great conversation with him. Some good insight on Erica Branson and what he believes are some of the major differences covering the team during a pandemic. We also get back to our organizational value rankings and a ton of sense news. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, January 5th, and Pilsy, there's still a few players to add in here, but we have line combos per Pierre Dorian. Oh, that's the best part of training camp when you get these line combos and we're all going to over-speculate. We're all going to try to predict who's going where. What does this mean seeing Anisimov on the second line with Galchenik and Batherson just days into training camp where multiple centers aren't available to play? Does that mean he's going to get a top six role? Probably not. But I mean, we're all going to make all these predictions and we're all going to be wrong and it's all going to change. But that's the fun of it and that's why we're here talking about it. Absolutely. Let's start with the decor because it's more set, I would say, than the forwards, which are really just close your eyes and throw darts at the board and see what sticks. I think at this point in training camp, still 10 days out until their first game, but the decor, I could see this being opening night. Honestly, Shabbat Gabranson will land in with Josh Brown, Mike Riley with Nikita Zaitsev, and then the extra pair is Braden Coburn with Artyom Zub. Now, the franchise not listed there, Pilsy. Why is that? Yeah, really unfortunate for Branstrom there. He's not listed because he's still quarantining. He was a close contact uh, with someone who had COVID-19. But not to worry, he's going to join next week. But that's really unfortunate because Branstrom, this is a massive year for him. And the more time he gets on the ice and the more time he has to impress DJ Smith, the better. And like you said, it that decor is pretty much set up how we interpret it it's going to be the rest of the season so for him not to get those extra chances and extra reps to try to uh, crack the lineup is tough for him but I still have a lot of faith he's going to have a good camp I love where Willannon is I think his game will will deflect well with Josh Brown the yin and yang and how about Pierre Dorian also in this availability mentioning Josh Brown as a guy who could wear a letter at some point this year I thought that was pretty interesting but we'll see where the franchise fits in once he's allowed at camp, also quarantining right now are Timmy Superstar and Derek Stepan, but some injuries too, minor ones, but nonetheless, not in the lineup because of it. Chris Tierney and Vitaly Abramov. So let's run through these forward lines and I'll get your biggest takeaways after. We have, we'll start at center and go to the wings. So it's Josh Norris between Brady Kachuk and Evgeny Dadanov. It's Artem Anisimov between Galchenyuk and Batherson. You have Colin White between Nick Paul and Austin Watson. 
and then Logan Brown between Alex Formanton and Connor Brown. The fifth line, the taxi squad line, you could call them, is Cedric Paquette between Parker Kelly and Rudy Balsers. Out of all that, I mean, what's your biggest surprise? Well, the biggest surprise would be Anisimov being so high up in the lineup and getting to play with guys like Galchenik and Batherson. Now, we know DJ Smith has said he's touted Anisimov as being one of the best players in camp, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke. But, hey, DJ Smith, he's, he's the head coach, and he's going to play guys he thinks are competing the hardest no matter what your uh, like preconceived notion of the player is. So I thought that was a little funny, especially not giving White that opportunity. Colin White is between Paul and Austin Watts, a little bit more of a grinding fourth-line role there. So that's going to be interesting to see how things shake up. But I think all of this switches when you get Stepan and Tierney in there. I think Stepan, you're going to get in between Kachuk and Dadanov probably, and then Tierney probably in between Galchenik and Batherson here. However, Josh Norris playing with his best buddy, Brady Kachuk, like if he got an opportunity there, do you think he'd be ready to put up points playing with two skilled players like that? I don't think it's that crazy. Like uh, when you got a guy like Kachuk, like the yin and yang of this line is just great. You've got Kachuk who's going to be in front of the net, uh, distracting the goalie, mucking stuff up. And then you're, you got Dadnov, who, if he gets some open time and space, he's going to be putting the puck in the net all day. And Josh Norris, we know, is a shoot-first kind of player. He's going to put a lot of pucks on net with Brady in front, hoping to get a tip or the rebound to bank home. So it's not that crazy. I think the big problem I have with Josh Norris in that role, though, is the guys he's going to be going up against the other one season in this division. Like for a guy who only has one year of Belleville and a games in uh, the NHL that's going to be tough for him to have those matchups yeah for a team that was already thin on center ice you go out and get step in but without him and Tierney in this lineup there are some placeholders like I'm looking at where White's situated and is this is this a sign of things to come or is that a situation that's going to change because I don't mind that line but do you want one of your highest paid forwards who you still feel is developing to be in a third, fourth line role. I'm not sure about that. I also thought it was interesting Connor Brown being listed on the fourth line for now, although this was just the order of which Pierre Dorian said things. So if you think Austin Watson is above Connor Brown on the depth chart, not sure what to say about that. But it is interesting that he's with Logan Brown and Alex Formanton. What if Alex Formanton is the place filler here for Tim Stutzla? What would you think of a Logan Brown, Connor Brown, Tim Stutzla line to start? Uh, it's it's not bad, but I just I want Tim Stutzla playing with a sniper. Like he's a guy that's going to be playmaking. He's going to be facilitating the offense. I want him with a guy that all he has to do is get him the puck and he's going to score. And that guy on the Ottawa Senators is Dadanov. I think it could be a nice line. Logan Brown, Connor Brown. Like Logan Brown has really good vision and he can set guys up, but the limited NHL experience there kind of hinders him there. And then Connor Brown, he's more of a two-way guy. Sure, he can score. Like he was one of the top scorers on the team last year. Five goals in his last 10 games before COVID hit. Yeah, he got hot at the end there. But again, I see him more in a defensive role. So, But it would be nice to get Timmy Stutzel in a third-line role so that he's not quite going up against those tough matchups, both on uh, the forwards and opposing decor as well. Well, you want him on power play one, obviously. But I like Formington's speed as kind of an offset. Like Logan Brown, use your vision, but don't feel like you're going to have to carry the puck through the neutral zone as much like maybe get it just above the hash marks and skate it towards the red line and then once you're in that situation where you're between your defensive blue line and the red line just hit Formington with speed and let him kind of break in chip and chase type 
offensive there. And Connor Brown, also a good guy going to hound pucks on the forecheck. So I do kind of like what DJ Smith is looking at as a nucleus, but let's see, because there's four guys who still need to be put into these situations. And four big guys, like not, not like your, your bottom six guys or taxi squad guys. Like these guys are going to have a major impact on how this team is shaped. Yeah. And whoever doesn't make Ottawa will go down to Belleville, which has been announced. We thought it was going to happen and it did. There maybe was some whispers that, could Belleville opt out? Well, they did not. Three teams opted out. However, Belleville will be in the all-Canadian division in the AHL with the Manitoba Moose, the Laval Rocket, and the Toronto Marlies Pilsy. I didn't know it was possible that Belleville could play Toronto and Laval more, but apparently they can, and I'm here for it. Hey, especially the Laval Rocket, like that team was just a team to beat up on, it seemed like for Belleville Senators. It was always point night when they came to town. And then the Marlies, that's good competition. Like those were always solid games. Like we we saw like six, five games back and forth stuff. So they're going to be good games. And then the Moose, I always thought was a good opponent too. So this is going to be a tough division for the Belleville Senators here. They're going to get their mix of uh, Laval, Manitoba, and Toronto, and that's going to be it, which, I mean, in American League, that's not that crazy. Like you said, that's pretty standard. So not too much has changed here, honestly. AHL season, it's going to be February 5th underway. So there is a bit of buffer time, but there's always a little bit of time between when NHL training camp splits into two and then the AHLers go down, they, they wait a little bit. So we'll see who's on the taxi squad. Maybe you keep that young enthusiasm. You want to see them play in the NHL or – have a chance to practice every day. But then once the AHL gets going for real in early February, you'll see those guys go down and maybe more guys like Logan Shaw and Matthew Pekka come up and play that taxi squad role. So lots of intrigue there, but I was fired up. Finland, USA, semifinals at the World Juniors. You got three Sens prospects in action, but Pilsy turned out to only be the one. And I think, uh, people, if you're still guessing who the one is, you, you need to follow along a little closer. Top five, it's, top five, top five. Yeah, Jake Sanderson is the one in that game. But, Clevin, we kind of, we've been waiting with anticipation each time the rosters get announced. You're not sure if he's going to get in or out. So that wasn't a total shock. But, man, Robbie Arventi, how about just falling down the depth chart day by day by day until he's completely fallen off the roster here a healthy scratch for Yabi, Robbie Arventi here I'm gonna be honest like sh- you can you can have your spiel about the world juniors a small sample size people put too much emphasis on it blah 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 but being a healthy scratch when at the start of the tournament you were on the top line is a little bit concerning for me that's a free fall to say the least no points in five games for Rock and Robbie's a minus two as well the Finns put up a good fight against the state still and man Let's release the crack and like shout out Walter Mondegoose for, for that one. I, I just hashtag Clevin, like free Clevin, but that's even better. We got to release the Clevin because this guy, he makes an impact every game. Like how does Team USA believe they're better without this guy in the lineup? I don't, I don't get it. But again, it's a seventh defenseman role. So is he the reason why uh, Trevor Zegers was able to find uh, Arthur Kaliev in the slot and put that one away. No, Jake Sanderson was with the secondary assist. <laughs> hey, taking Robbie. Robbie's usually Mr. Secondary Assist. 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that was that was pretty much all we ha- we had from this game. And yeah, it was a good game came right down to the wire. But hey, I'd, I'd be lying if I wasn't saying that I was really hoping for US Canada in the final like there, there's no I mean, Canada, Russia, those uh, games in the finals have been absolutely insane. But nothing beats Canada USA gold medal game in uh, hockey. There's Let's- just nothing better. Let's touch before we get on to Wayne Scalen, a great conversation coming up with him. Team Canada hasn't allowed a goal at five on five through five games in this tournament. It's absolutely sickening. I believe that it's to what, 34 to nothing at five on five right now. It is a complete clinic by the Canadians. And Slava Fatisov, a former NHLer, uh, he works in the Russian Federation, said after the game that no Russian player would, would have made that Team Canada, which is crazy to say it's a little bit of hyperbole like pod colson kuznadinov askarov even though man you gotta hold on to your stick dude like, oh I, man okay i i want to get into this quickly and if you're watching the game you heard ray ferraro mention it way too many times like he i think there was a point where the producer should have been like k ray like we get it we get it we we got it you don't like a scare off. We, we figured that out. But um, when that play where he loses a stick, I don't know. God knows how he lost his stick. Like is we know he's a weirdo catching the wrong way, but is he just not holding on to his stick or he's, he's not uh, comfortable holding a stick. Maybe his blocker should be on his normal hand. <laughs> Maybe, but man, that play where that Russian defender gives him his stick, that drives me insane because a player stick does almost nothing for a goalie. Like it's so light. It's so small. You don't get the blade on the sticks. So you're not really covering up your five hole and you want the defender to have a stick to get the puck out of the zone. So you can go pick up your regular goalie stick. And then that whole exchange where it's like a two, three second exchange where the Russian player is giving his stick to the goalie. That's just messing with your head. You're like, okay, I guess I'll take the stick. And then you're out of position. Next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. Uh, McMichael scores that's too easy I that play just drives me wild I would never ever in any sort of hockey want my defender to give me my uh his stick if I lost my stick as a goalie that is a trash play yeah but you grew up watching Dominic Hasek so you're used to being able to play without a stick no Dominic Hasek lost his stick on purpose to pick up the puck he never just (laughs) he he dropped his stick on purpose to play the puck that way he didn't lose his stick and then was just out out on his own and trying to snag player sticks I thought Askarov was going to get pulled after the Cole Perfetti goal. Just a wrist shot from the hash marks right through him. It was uh, tough to watch if you're a Russian fan, but there's none of those or on this Preds show. Fan. Yeah, true. Although you then look at Philip Tomasino in the tournament he's having for Canada. Looks pretty good on that side. This whole Canadian team is a complete wagon. The gold medal game coming up tonight. We're recording Tuesday, January 5th at 9.30 Eastern time. So, Buckle up because Canada, USA, the two best teams going into this tournament, the two best players left in this tournament. Yeah, we know Timmy's the best player in the tournament, but right now it's Trevor Zegris, it's Dylan Cousins, and it's a whole lot of talent on the supporting cast. So it's going to be a great game to watch, and we know where we're going to be when we're watching it. We're going to be on betonline.ag. It's the number one online sports book. And you can check out all of their great wagers. Right now, I'm looking at their player futures. And we talked about DJ Smith way undervalued on the odds. And you guys must have smashed that button to bet on him because the odds have almost gone down by half. So get on it before it goes down another half. Right now, 2,800 plus 2,800 for DJ Smith to win 
the coach of the year. You risk $10, you have the opportunity to make 280 back. And if the Ottawa Senators make the playoffs, DJ Smith is as much of a lock as coach of the year as anything else. So you can go to betonline.ag and make all of your wagers. Like the NFL regular season is all but done. You can get in to the playoffs as they are the only place that has you covered and the only place that we trust here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. There's also, and I thought this was really interesting, there's also on betonline.ag, they have point projections for each team. So for the Ottawa Senators, 46.5. That means if your Ottawa Senators win more than 24 games out of 56, you cash. Like, that's free money. So go take advantage of it right now at betonline.ag. Dot .ag don't sit on the sidelines anymore get into the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts here is our conversation with Wayne Scanlon all right, we now welcome a very special guest back to the show. He's a contributor at sportsnet.ca. You know him around town at Hockey Scanner on Twitter. It's Wayne Scanlon. Welcome back to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Oh, doing fantastic. Only a 299-day wait since the Sens have last played. So <laughs> we got a lot to catch up on. But we did have you on in, earlier in the summer. We were advocating for Brian Murray, for Daniel Alfredson, rightfully so, for the Hockey Hall of Fame. What the heck, man? We went 0 for 2. What's going on there? Yeah, well, that's, um, that's unfortunate. But, you know, sometimes these things take time. I wouldn't give up on, on either, either of those two guys. And, and I think they both belong in there. So we'll see. But I guess there's a lot of other topics to discuss with hockey coming back and the middle of a pandemic and still trying to sort out who's going to be allowed in the building and uh, all this kind of stuff and travel restrictions and everything else so it's um there's so much on the front burner i see some flames going in the in the background there ross but there's so much on the on the burning on the front burner that those some of those other issues will have to wait hey well let's get right to those hot hot topics then wayne training camp is upon us now you've been a reporter covering this team for a long time how difficult and how different is this going to be covering this training camp with little info you can't you can't have boots on the ground at the arena the only time you're talking to these players is um, meetings with multiple other reporters on zoom like how are you getting through this training camp coverage oh, that's very it's very different even if we had a raw feed I'm hoping that at some point we get we got a raw feed of practice, like you say, you yep. see some line combinations, that kind of thing. But we're kind of hanging off every word of DJ Smith. It's like, DJ, who looks good? Like, who's hot? Who's not? Who scored in the scrimmage? You know, like, we're normally there to see that stuff. And you, you see some crazy move or, you know, Brady Kachuk tries something in front of the net. And you're, you just, it's just a little bit of color and flavor to add to a story. And you just don't have that. All you have like we've had for the last nine, 10 months, our, our Zoom interviews. So you, you do the best with what you have and the players are, are starting to come forward. You know, we had a few players yesterday and, and the head coach as well. Uh, and then, the, you know, uh, Coburn and Priquette, the, the ex-Lightning guys, they're in town and we're going to speak to them today. And then uh, they'll, they'll join the team tomorrow. So 
things are happening and they're going to happen quickly. Uh, before you know it, this season will be underway January 13th. And for the Senators, uh, the 15th of January against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, nice of them to wait the two extra days so Timmy Superstar can debut on his birthday, his 19th birthday, January 15th. A cool storyline there. Hey, imagine he scores four goals and they get the win. That would be a way to start the <laughs> career against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But obviously, you're all over it despite the lack of intimate coming into the arena, your latest on Sportsnet, looking into expectations and the Senators awarding team letters, and one of them to a new guy. Last time you were on the show, Erica Branson wasn't even a member of this organization. Now, I know you have a son the same age as Eric growing up in the minor <laughs> hockey ranks in Ottawa. What can you tell us about maybe what you knew about Erica Branson, the teenager, the adolescent, going so high in the OHL draft, third overall pick into the NHL, and what kind of NHL player he's become as well? Yeah, well, I go back. I remember him playing as a 9- and 10-year-old because he played for Gloucester. And, of course, my son was Ottawa Sting. So they, they played, you know, before AAA became a reality. And, you know, these gentlemen, my son and, and, and Eric, were both part of the first uh, AAA teams in, in Ottawa. So, you know, they, that was rather historic. But I can remember standing in the lobby one night after a game and talking to Wayne Gabrantz and Eric's dad. And Eric came out. And, you know, he was maybe 12 or 13 at the time. But honestly, it was like talking to a 30-year-old. I mean, he was talking about what was going on at school and the weightlifting program that they had there. And it was a bilingual program. And as we know, when he got drafted into the OHL, his mother insisted that he go to a place where he could study French. And so, um, you know, it wasn't quite like Eric Lindros refusing to go to <laughs> Quebec kind of thing. But, you know, this is a family that's really, they're really thoughtful about their, their kids and and the kind of lifestyle that they have and the education that was so important, but he was a special character guy. You could see that early on. And so it's not surprising that he comes here and takes on a leadership role right away. Hope you guys are enjoying our chat with Sportsnet writer Wayne Scanlon. There's a lot of, it's great to see friendly faces back at Sens training camp. So it's also great to have friendly sponsors back on the show. You guys know them. It's rock auto sponsoring our show once again great to have them back and you guys i'm not a car guy i'm a sports guy i don't really know my car so there's so many different makes models all these kind of parts you need when i go to a, sh a shop or garage i just tell them look it's a black ford fusion that's all i know so why not get some more professional help the one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money so that you can use that for other important things like your, your mortgage or maybe your car payments. How about some food? That sounds great. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at the dealership? Don't do that. Head to your friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. I don't care what kind of car you have, they got you covered. They have everything from engine control modules, I don't even know what that is, brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. If your pet is messy and muddy and it's getting your car all dirty, get the new carpet from rockauto.com. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, everything you need is available in a few clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Head over to the website right now. You'll see for yourself quickly all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. 
Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I'll be leaving it to the professionals, that's for sure. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I don't know, not here on the Locked On Senators podcast. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now, back to our conversation with Wayne Scanlon. That was my next question. I wanted to ask your opinion on him getting uh, named assistant captain. Now, what's your opinion on new players getting a leadership role like that? Like, were you were you fully expecting a, um, a newer acquired veteran to get the name? Or did you kind of think that they would go maybe with someone who's already been on the team, maybe a Tierney, a Connor Brown, something like that, that route instead? I mean, I mean, that was that was certainly possible. But I, I think what happened, I'm again, we're trying to you know, put the, connect the dots here because we're not down at the rink, but, you know, I talked to the Senator's strength coach uh, about, you know, Chris Schwartz about these guys and how difficult it was to train during the pandemic and trying to keep track of them with zoom calls and phone calls. And the impression I got was that Eric Gabranson came in here and just knocked their socks off. Like not, not just with his work ethic and his, his habits in the gym, but his leadership. And I think he was already mentoring the young guys. And so maybe when they traded for him, they didn't know for sure they were going to be putting a letter on this guy. And I think most of us saw him as a you know, second or third pairing defenseman, you know, based on his, on his history. But I, I think he just came in here and, and really wowed them. And they thought, you know, we're going to have two young assistants and young alternate captains in Kachuk and Shabbat. Let's have a veteran guy. And yeah, I guess they could have gone with Connor Brown or Chris Tierney. But the local, you know, Ottawa guy. And uh, he, he, to me, he's almost like he's replacing Mark, Mark Borowiecki. Like that salt of the earth type of guy, heart and soul player. He's going to fight for his teammates. I think that's the kind of guy that they, they wanted to put a letter on. It's funny, too. We're just going from the West End to the East End as yeah. uh, Goody growing up in Orleans, boy. Funny that he's 28 years old, but it seems like he's been in the NHL forever, stepping in as a, as a teenager, really. So I'm excited to see him start the year with Shabbat because we've heard nothing but good things about his time in Anaheim, albeit short, but playing with Cam Fowler. How much do you think that that 44-game stretch playing with a defenseman like Cam Fowler could prepare him to play with Shabbat? You know, Ross, I think it's huge for two reasons. First of all, you're playing with a, a top-level guy like that, like a beautiful skater. And so it's, it kind of sets up the same way here in Ottawa. But the other thing is the minutes that he played. Like, I, I've gone through his history, and, you know, his, his minutes were starting to diminish in Vancouver and Pittsburgh. And he had nights where he was a healthy scratch. You look at Anaheim, he's up around 19, 20 minutes. Again, that's because you're playing with a guy like Fowler. Of course, you're going to be on the ice more even though not as much as Fowler plays, but you're going to be on there with him a fair bit. So I think that's given him a, a lot of confidence. Talking to him when he first got traded, he said all this time off has been a blessing. He plays such a physical game. He was really beat up. And I think he's had a chance to heal. And I think his conditioning is strong. I think his skating is probably as good now as it's been in a couple of years. Yeah, and it's funny. There's, uh, there's different sides to the coin with this break, right? Like for the young guys, usually you're saying, oh, this is terrible for them. They're not getting the development. But then for some of the more veteran players, you're saying, this is great. They get a rest. They get uh, more time off the ice than they're ever used to, probably in their entire life, really, since they uh, strapped skates on and started playing hockey. So that's great there. <clears throat> I want to ask you about another newly acquired guy in Derek Stepan. 
This was uh, a late move done just before camp. Uh, they gave up a second round pick to acquire him. And a lot of people are scratching their head wondering where is Derek Stepan going to play and what his role will be with this team. What, do, what are your thoughts on those ideas? I, I think he's going to be a top two line guy. Like I, I, I see him either centering the first line or the second. And let's face it, these days, it doesn't really matter. Uh, unless you really load up one line, the second line could be just as important as the, as the first. So it kind of depends where he's going to have some chemistry. Is he going to be with Kachuk? Uh, is, is it going to be with Timmy Stutzla? It's really hard to say, but it's kind of fascinating to think about because they just don't have enough veteran centers on this team. And, and Cedric Briquette is another a very useful guy that can play center, probably will play center in Ottawa. But you probably think about him as a third or a fourth line guy. But Stepan, I think he can he can move right in to a top two line. He's he's got experience. It's it's going to be a different animal this year with 56 games in a short time span, playing every other night. Uh, you need those veteran guys to kind of keep the younger guys calm and not let a, maybe a little losing streak get out of hand. And I, I think he was a really smart addition. Yeah, and I want to touch on what you said there. You need the veteran guys to keep the younger guys calm. Do you think maybe this is a move that's done because the Senators don't quite have full confidence in Colin White as a top six guy? Like this gives him, maybe you keep uh, step on till the deadline, then you ship him or you keep him the rest of the year and you let him walk. This gives a little bit of a buffer for Colin White to try to recapture some of the, the, some of the qualities of his game we saw in his rookie season. Oh, totally. And, and here's a guy that you can learn from. I mean, you're talking about a really good two-way center, someone that could help him in the face-off circle. Uh, you know, he, he can play some key minutes, but he can also teach Colin White to play those key minutes. And it's interesting. You never know. Again, we're at the coach's mercy here. When he talks up a player, you're thinking, okay, is he really showing well? Or does he, is he have an agenda here? But he's been talking up Colin White. DJ Smith the other day said that he's been really impressed with White. He thinks the comfort level and the confidence that he has and the strength that he has. It's, uh, it's light years from last year when, of course, he had a little bit of an off year, bit of a step back, I would say, in his progress. So whether that's wishful thinking or just the way it is, I think it sets up well. And having Stepan here is, is a guy that he can really learn from. Yeah, I'm excited to see who Stepan plays with. I would love to see Stutzla on one side, Dadnov on the other, and that frees up Kachuk to play maybe even with White again. I know they've kind of been side-by-side and not having that Mark Stone effect. Of course, it would hurt anybody, but to see if maybe they can capture something. And I know Connor Brown was on that line. I think if Batherson, he looks like a man out there, by the way, Batherson, just from the few photos, it seems like he's really grown into the extra size that he put on, the reason why he was finally drafted after being passed over, but uh, there's so many great storylines. I mentioned a couple of them there, but Wayne, final question for me is, which one are you most intrigued by that you're going to follow closely throughout this season? I think it's got to be Stutzla. I mean, there's just so much hype about him, and he he played so well at the World Juniors. I think everybody wants to see how he he fits in. There's been a lot of good young players that have had difficulty making that, that big step. And he's over here now, and I, I think he's going to be here to stay. So it's going to be interesting how they... They're going to try to ease him in, and yet I, I think he's got the potential to play a really big role because he's going to get power play minutes. He's so confident. He's played against men in the German League. To me, he's the guy I, I want to see. Are we going to see Ian do a feature where they're having schnitzels together? I remember he did one with uh, <laughs> Carlson having the meatballs, but I think Pilsy wanted to finish up on that note. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to ask. Uh, we all saw the big news today, uh, Ian Mendez going from TSN 1200 to now being a writer for The Athletic. I'm sure you've bumped into Ian a lot on your travels and uh, working with the Sens. What can you tell us about Ian and uh, how do you think he's going to do in this new role? 
Well, I think he'll do a great job. I mean, uh, he was a, a tremendous uh, television reporter and then settled in nicely on that afternoon drive show uh, on that other network, I must say. I, I mean, he's coming in, into your arena now. Well, he really is. And, and he said he always wanted to do more writing, and now he's, he's got that opportunity. Um, it's, it's sad to see Haley go because I think she did a great job here and was really well-liked in this market. But she'll She'll enjoy Calgary. I'm, I'm sure she will. And a uh, great opportunity for Ian. It's a, it's a weird time to be coming in and writing about this team during a pandemic, but I'm sure he'll do a great job. Well, just more writing for us to enjoy between Ian and yourself. Wayne Scanlon at Hockey Scanner on Twitter. Hey, you're a recurring guest now, so you have to come on whenever we ask. <laughs> and we'll be more than sure to take you up on that. Thanks so much for taking the time today. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Stick taps to Scanner for joining us. And as a show that, you know, we tend to lean TSN. It's great to have an awesome Sportsnet writer on the show and Scanner as respected as they come in the industry. And in terms of podcasts, who's more respected than us here at Locked On and the Locked On NHL podcast that you can get ready for the start of the season. Sarah Evampato is going to host it with the Locked On NHL season preview series. Now, the North Division is out today. Pilsy and I dropped in to talk about the Sens. You'll get previews of all 31 NHL teams this week, division by division, and who to pick up and drop in your fantasy leagues, courtesy of Locked On Fantasy Hockey host, Scott Cullen. So subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcast right after you subscribe to Locked On Senators. And here on Locked On Senators, we've been getting into our organizational value rankings basically for two weeks now, Pilsy. We've been going from all the way at 64, and now we're down 31 through 29 on today. And at 31, well, the first two are both 2015 draft picks. So it's a make-or-break situation. Let's start at number 31, Christian Yarosh. A long time ago, it was the tackling, tackling. He was just dominating guys in the Swedish Hockey League. While he came over to North America, he probably got more of an initial taste at the NHL than he would have expected, playing almost a full season. Where is he at right now? Yeah, Christian Yaros is a really interesting case. And you said it, 2015 uh, draft pick. So this is this is it. He's in the final year of his entry level deal. 24 years old, six foot four, 220 pounds. He's it's been interesting for him because for the last three seasons, he's been splitting time between Ottawa and Belleville, which there's positives and negatives to that, right? Like sometimes you just want to get in a groove and stay stay in one spot so you can get comfortable. But Obviously, you want as much time playing in the NHL as possible if you're a young player. That last season, he got 13 games with the Sens. He had three assists and was a minus two. He had 34 games in Belleville with two goals, 13 assists. And the big stat I'm looking at here for him in Belleville was plus 20. We expected a lot of him out of him last season. And maybe he wasn't always the most noticeable out there. But at plus 20, he's doing a good job of keeping the puck out of his own net and contributing uh, positively to uh, scoring goals as well. So I think Christian Yaros overall last season was a pretty solid year. Yeah, he showed that he can play at both ends of the ice in Belleville, like putting up 15 points, only 34 games. But what I really like to see is him and Hubert Labrie made up a, a more of a shutdown pair in Belleville. And I really liked what they brought. And plus 20, I mean, that speaks his excellence at five on five and I, I need him to carve out a role right they, they brought in Josh Brown they brought in Erica Branson that really muddied up and not to mention Mr. Zub himself that muddies up what the right side is going to look like so he has to come in 
and knock the door down to make this team? Do you think he has it in him this year? I mean, there's no reason to believe he couldn't, right? Like, he's in the final year of his deal. He's 24 years old. He has NHL experience. Like you said, he played pretty much a full season a little while ago. I think 61 games. So he has what it takes to do it. And he has the perfect makings for a bottom pair defenseman. So it's going to be interesting, though, because he's got to beat out Zaitsev and or Zub if he wants that right spot on the bottom pair. I'm going to say something nice about him. He is an excellent, excellent skater, and that can take you places in the National Hockey League. I think he just needs to work a bit on his first pass coming out of the zone, if that could be a bit crisper, rather than relying on going D to D a little bit too much, and use those wheels. Like He, he can skate. He, he does great on his pivots in the defensive zone. He's always checking his man close in front of the net, good at the cross check, so you know he's going to be high in Pierre Dorian's graces. But I want a bit more from him in terms of that puck movement be quicker be crisper and if he can then the sky's the limit for him because he has the physical attributes look at him as a career arc as his first cousin eric chernak who plays for tampa bay and if he can grow into that type of defenseman you are laughing going forward and i spoke to dave Poolin a few weeks ago and he mentioned this was before yaros was signed he was still an rfa and said i would see what i could do to pry that kid out of ottawa because he sees a future with him and that's why he's at number 31 on our list. Despite maybe seeming like he's blocked on the depth chart, there is potential with Christian Yarosh. I don't know if the same can be said. I was very high on this next player coming in on number 30, but I've soured over the past year or two. Like He couldn't even find his way into the top six in Belleville when he was down there. It's Philip Schlappick. How would you summarize his past season? Philip Schlappick is in a very similar situation as Christian Yaros. 2015, second round pick, 23 years old, six foot one, 196 pounds, last year of his entry level contract. And he's been a guy that the past three seasons has split time between the NHL and the AHL as well. When he, when he was in Belleville, though, he was really effective. Sure, he got bounced down the lineup a little to give a little more spotlight to the young up and coming guys. But he was still good. Like in 37 games, he had 10 goals, 12 assists. But I don't, I'm not sure what to feel about him at the NHL level because he played 31 NHL games, three goals, three assists. But I was looking through his game log, Ross, 21 game stretch of no points. I mean, when you're playing a fourth line role, you only get so many chances. But 21 straight games without chipping in, that's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. And funny enough, if you go back to his first year in Belleville, and he was coming off, he looked great in the World Juniors, and then he comes into Belleville 2017-18, and we've talked about how this was pre-man taking over the reins in Belleville. And You know that Schlappick led the Belleville Senators in scoring in their inaugural season with 32 points. Jake Batherson had that in like a month in, uh, in this past season. Like Rudy Balsers me, had that in 15 straight games. Yeah. Yeah, it went Schlappick 1, Jim O'Brien 2, Nick Paul 3. There's your, your leading scores. And then a, a two-way tie for fourth between Colin White and Max McCormick. So, I mean, that just tells you the state of affairs and how much better it's gotten over the past three years. But to me, Schlappick, he needs to become a grinding winger. And I thought he showed that at the NHL level last year, that you can plug him on a fourth line and he'll go chase guys around on the forecheck. But between him and Nick Paul, who would you rather do that? To me, it's Nick Paul. So I think he's going to get squeezed out here and probably be included in some sort of trade either this season or next offseason. I've been saying it for over a year and a half now. I think he's the perfect 
trade candidate because if he gets traded to a contender with a more shallow prospect pool, I could see him really excelling. Like I could see him succeeding and carving out a better role for himself than just a fringe NHLer. But there's just too many bodies here. There's too many younger, better, uh, higher ceiling guys in Ottawa. He's not going to get the chances he needs to succeed here. I was shocked that he was not the prospect included for the Matt Murray trade. And while the one they included was even less valuable. So We'll see what happens with Philip Schlappick, but he does have some some ability. It's just a matter of can he pick up the pace a little bit in all asset all facets of his game. And if he can, there's no reason why he can't be an NHLer. As we move to number 29 on our organizational value rankings, he has been a guest on this show, and he was a second-round pick this past season. It's Igor Sokolov. Everybody's cheering for him. Do we maybe have him a slot or two higher because we really enjoy him and want him to succeed? You could argue that, maybe, sure. But I think that the shot itself is an already at the NHL level. So this is a guy who's going to step right into Belleville. I think that within the next year or two, you're going to know whether Igor Sokolov can develop into that NHL player. Yeah, I agree. A guy drafted as an overager, so 20 years old. So yeah, he doesn't have that kind of rope length that a lot of these other prospects do to develop. But I don't think he needs it. Like... Second round pick, six foot four, 240 pounds. Like this kid is massive. And the only thing bigger than his body size is the guy's heart. Like this is, and people like to make jokes, the senators drafting guys that are friends, like going for uh, focusing on high character, but it's a big deal. Talk to anyone who has had a conversation with Igor Sokolov and they're just smitten after. Like they just, he just puts a smile on your face. It seems like he's um, been involved with talking to pretty much every Sens podcast there is. He's really gotten his voice out there. And this is a guy that's made it clear he wants to embrace this community and he wants to be embraced back. And he's doing a great job of that. Honestly, if I came over to a new country, let's say I went to Russia and I learned Russian as quickly as Igor did, I'd go on any podcast ever because w- what better way to show off how, how much you've learned. And I, I, I'm just so impressed with Igor. And usually I don't share. I know I mentioned that we talked to Dak about, uh, about Shifty, but when we had Igor on, obviously I shoot him a text saying thank you after. And then he signed maybe a week later. And we said on the show, we were having a conversation about it. And we mentioned how unreal his flow looked. I get a text from him saying, love the shout out of my flow. Ha ha. This guy's just an absolute beauty. He gets it. He's, he's just a, such a likable guy. And Pillsy, talk about bearing the lead. This guy led the Quebec League in goals last year. He's not just a good guy. This guy can snipe with the best of them. World Juniors last year for Russia. This team that's going to the finals right now, he was a part of them having that silver medal last year. This guy can play too. Absolutely. Yeah. Like let's, let's not just focus on him being a big teddy bear. Like this guy is nasty on the ice. And the thing I love most about him is I was watching his highlights from uh, last year in the queue and it's everyone who's playing knows he's not going to pass. He's not going to make a deke. He's not going to do anything fancy. If he gets time in the slot, he's going to wind up that wrist shot and beat a goalie clean. And he's not afraid to do it over and over and over again. And these are the kind of guys I love because they can give you a quick goal, give him, Five seconds without a defenseman in the lane or coming towards him on the left or right wing, wherever he's playing. And he could score a goal just like that because he can beat a goalie with his big shot. And he's going to be a guy that it's it's hard to take the puck off him. He's going to have a lot of drive. He wants to score goals with that big shot. 
he's going to be fighting off defenders left, right, and center and doing it with ease with the body size that he has at six foot four, 240 pounds. So I think Igor Sokolov is going to step into Belleville and produce right away. And Ross, you know the line I want to see him on? We talked about this line a lot previously. How about Kaslik, Kelly, and Sokolov on a third line in Belleville? Oh my God, those guys would be nightmare. Laval might as well, third line might, <laughs> might as well not even show up at that point. These guys are going to be dominating them. You could argue Laval's third line didn't show up much last year either, but I do love that line. They bring that intensity and intangibles, and then you add Igor's shot as the piece de resistance in that one. So love seeing Igor get signed right out of his draft, and I cannot wait to see him in Belleville, hopefully wearing a bit better of a number. They gave him number 75 at Sens training camp. Sorry about that, Igor. Next year, we'll get you fitted with one a little more accurate of your playing abilities. So Igor Sokolov coming in at number 29. So today we had 31, Christian Yarosh, number 30, Philip Schlappick, and number 29, Igor Sokolov. That's going to continue throughout the next episodes. And you can go back and listen to old episodes of Locked On Senators. We have in the description which players we discuss and we've been counting down each and every episode over the past couple of weeks. You can also subscribe to Locked On Senators wherever you get your podcast and follow us on Twitter too, at Send Central. One more news note, and it's not a fun one, but unfortunately we have to discuss the passing of former Senators GM, John Muckler. He passed away at the age of 86. And you remember he was brought in to Ottawa after they couldn't get through the Battle of Ontario in 99 and 2000. They needed a winner. And who better than John Muckler, a man who won multiple Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s. He was responsible for bringing Dominic Hasek to Buffalo and then bringing Dominic Hasek to Ottawa. This was a, a man of, of pure integrity. I'll just read what the Senators tweeted out, a statement from Eugene Melnick saying they're deeply saddened to learn of the passing of John Muckler, had the heart of a champion, a consummate professional, and a beloved family man. For years, the Senators were perennial Stanley Cup contenders because of his dedication and leadership. On behalf of myself and the entire Senators organization, I want to express our sincerest condolences to John's family, friends, and all those whose lives he touched in the hockey community. An absolute legend of the game. Another guy who we believe should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He is just, uh, you know, a a personality larger than life or was for, for many years in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that uh, very similar to his uh, successor, Brian Murray, he was all over the NHL, like his his tree, his reach of uh, guys he coached with guys he was GM for uh, all the moves and teams and organizations he set up franchises that went on to be successful is there's so many of them. And he's a big part of why I'm an Ottawa Senators fan. Like you said it, he had Dominic Hasek in Buffalo and then brought him to Ottawa. Like that's why I'm here doing a daily Sens podcast today. So just saddened to hear about uh, John Muckler and obviously thoughts and condolences with his family. But yeah, this was a guy who was here from 2001 to 2007, arguably the most successful period of time in this franchise's history. He has over 50 years of professional hockey experience, part owner, GM, director of player personnel, director of hockey operations, head coach, assistant coach. Oh yeah. And he was a player too. And he had his part in five Stanley cup championships in various roles. So rest in peace to John Muckler, a life well lived at the age of 86. So 
long episode today, but we had to get those final notes in. Uh, we really do uh, send our condolences to John Muckler and the whole Muckler family. No show tomorrow, and then we will be back on Thursday. Lots of intrigue as Tim Stutzla, as Derek Stepan, as those guys join, and we do have a special guest coming up later in the week as well, Pilsy. Yep, another special guest. You guys know we're lining up special guests. And one last thing, go Canada, go. We got we got this gold medal in the bag. Once again, we're going to embarrass the United States team. Jake Sanderson aside, he's going to play well. He's going to be a big part of that team. But Canada's coming through with this gold medal 2021. And Nate Lehman, if you're listening, put Tyler Clevin in. Y'all won't win? Put Clevin in. The old Booby Miles been off there. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.